Hi everybody, I'm Roxy. And I'm Priska. And we are The Two Party Girls! We're just two horny ghosts climbing the mountain of life. Eating Asian-American stereotypes for breakfast. Welcome everybody to season two, episode nine, where we're going to be talking about our relationship with body image and our relationship with food. Oof, Roxy, I heard some stuff in your voice. How are you feeling about doing this episode? (laughs) Honestly, I can't believe that. I mean, we touched on just the surface of it in previous episodes, yeah. but we never dedicated no. an episode specifically to this topic because I think that it is something so personal yeah. and so painful yeah. for everybody at a certain level. We love your mom so much, but just some of the pressure that she might have put on you and in, in ways that she may have incentivized you that had to do with your body. It is insane, and I think this is probably the most personal episode that I have yet to do. And yeah. when you brought this up, because Two Horny Goats is a space of relinquishing our comfort yeah. and relinquishing our fear and being honest with you know our personal traumas and experiences. And um, this is something that's very – so something that I'm suffering with today. And I'm mm. sure that a lot of you and also you, Prisca, in terms of body dysmorphia and yeah. Like being a singer, being on stage and, yeah. you know, all of these layers, mm-hmm. I think we have so much to dive into. I feel like the way that we choose our topics for the show is like, if it makes us feel a little queasy, then we know that we kind of have to talk about it. Because I think our internal struggles as a human race, you know, is more similar than different. Mm -hmm. And I think this is something, especially growing up in SoCal, for the most part, like this is something constantly at the forefront of our mind, you know? And even like I was thinking about the other day and I was like, in Oregon and New York, people are not nearly as body obsessed as they are here in LA. We live in a very vain city, entertainment city, entertainment capital, influencer capital. Also, it's like, you know, I come from the spectrum of fat, Mm -hmm. but it's like even speaking to the actors I work with, you Mm -hmm. know, who are ripped and, you know, so self-conscious, like to a molecular level of their body, saying how they deal with their mental health when put in front of a camera and pose and like be a certain way and be sexy, right? Or to not age because they'll lose desirability like i feel like this fucking Mm -hmm. expectation of beauty and perfection is so toxic and poisonous yeah yeah Yeah. i 100% agree i mean what was the first time that you felt like you had to apologize for your body I've always been a thick girl, mm-hmm. right? I think I think this is in my genetic makeup. Mm. Um, I really don't eat that much. No. You've seen how I eat. You eat so healthy. Yeah, and yeah. I, eat, I don't eat a lot of carbs and I try to find balance. I am made this way, mm-hmm. right? And I remembered because I've never been skinny, I had to constantly apologize for taking up space. Mm-hmm. And I mean this in the most literal way. Like yeah. if a bit of my belly fat spills over the seatbelt. If a bit of my ass goes into, you know, the next person's seat on an airplane. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry that I'm, I'm taking up so much space. It makes you hate yourself. Yeah. You know? And, um, I think when I reached puberty, I started to gain a lot more weight. I started to, you know, eat more sugar and Mm. carbs because I was in color guard. It was physically demanding. Um, and I also started to gain more weight and muscle fat and muscle at the same time. And in certain areas in your 
your breasts are growing. Yeah, oh my, yes. Your ass is growing. You know, it's, it, was that confusing? Did you ever want it to, did, were you ever angry at your body during puberty? Totally. All the time. And, mm. you know, my mom is very image conscious and ah. she is also very skinny. Like my, my family on my mother's side is all very thin wow. and very small. And it's like the culture. And we know we're definitely going to be talking about Asian expectation of feminine beauty as yep. well and how fucking unhealthy it is. Right. But yep. like she comes from that spectrum and that is something unrealistic yep. in my world, yep. like my diet, the way that I like to be active, you know, and I need to eat my carbohydrates. I need sugar, you know, to keep up my energy and seeing all these like icons and idols, yeah. Oshang, you know, mm-hmm. as we would call it growing up where anybody over a hundred pounds is deemed ugly Overweight. and fat yep. mm-hmm. and fat is correlated with ugliness yes. and stupidity. Stupidity. Right. I, I think that was something that you brought up that it was like any Asian program that I've seen, the music that comes on when there's a thicker character, it's like boom, 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 boom. Like a it's comedy. A comedy. You're, you're yeah. always like the fat comic yeah. character. Yeah. And that's something that's also pretty universal, yes. right? Like not just in Asian culture as well. And I felt like when I was growing up, going off of the tales of our discussion of representation last yeah. time is, is this the role that's been written for me? Right. Instead of me creating my own narrative on the type of person I want to be. Mm. Right. And did you ever struggle with something like this as well? Was it ever an issue or did you just have high metabolism? I, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure I, you I suffered in your own honest. way. Yeah. Right. I definitely suffered with feeling ugly and um, less than, but if I'm being completely honest, I had a high metabolism and I was really active and, mm-hmm. you know, I did gymnastics. So it wasn't that big an issue for me. But at the same time, everything that we were receiving from the media was still telling me that I still had to be skinnier and skinnier and skinnier, you mm. know, and I had friends who struggled with eating disorders. And I think being around that mindset and these were girls that weren't big at all. You know what I'm saying? But like being around that mindset influences you oh a my great gosh. deal. I remember you know? there was this one girl in high school. I won't say her name. She <laughs> brags about how little she ate oh, in no. a day. She's like, I just ate fruit today. Oh my you know? God. Yeah. Like, I remember that's that. Not healthy. And I, I would suddenly feel ashamed. Yeah. Like if we go to Denny's or something right. after school She's and like, I'll get a grapefruit. I'll, yeah. Like <laughs> I'll just have a side of grapes. Yeah. Right. And then I want mozzarella sticks. Yes. Or like, I want to share like onion rings with yes. my friend. And then I'll feel guilty for wanting that. Yeah. And do you feel like, I, I know now it's like you own, like you are who you are. You love who you are. And yeah. fucking like, I just want to re-mention that like you went to your doctor and your doctor was like, literally you couldn't be healthier. Yeah. So anyone who's using health as a judgment on fat people, like that's not okay because it's not truthful. You know, you have no idea what the other person's health conditions are. You don't know if they have a thyroid issue. You don't know if they diabetes diabetes or anything like that. Like no matter how skinny or thick they are, you know, like everyone's going through their own shit. And so I'm always just like, it, it still is something that I suffer from because you know I was just telling you about the state that I went on two years ago I guess I'll just talk about it now so when I go back to Taiwan to visit my family, I'm never considered attractive. Like yeah. I know mm-hmm. that I, it doesn't matter if I try to go on dates or anything. I'm just not 
the expectation that people want. And so I'm just too fat. You know, I'm just too outspoken. My boobs are too big. Like nothing about this is desirable. I mean, it breaks my heart to hear it. And I understand 100% because if you've been to Asia even a normal person in the U.S. is considered obese there. If you have muscles on your arms, they consider that too big for yeah. a girl, right? So yeah. it's so extreme. So I'm, it breaks my heart that you had to encounter that. But I totally know that that's a fact, that the culture's like that. So sorry, continue. No, it's, it's I think I had to always have to mentally and emotionally prepare myself to recalibrate yeah. the way that I see myself mm. and to just give myself a pep talk, yeah. you know, before I go back to Taiwan because the standards are different, you mm. know? And I was very shocked because two years ago, I, I frequent this coffee shop and this server there who's very sweet, you yeah. know, uh, struck up a rapport with me and he's very outgoing mm. and he's very nice and... Yeah. Um, yeah, cute, little me cute, you know, he's older, he's like 38 at the time. And he asked me out for coffee. And that was just like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) no one ever asks me out. Like, generally in the US, like, if it's not a dating app, like people find it pretty hard to approach me. I get it. And then so I was like, yes, sure. Like, let's grab a coffee. Right. So then we went to go have a coffee. And at the same cafe. <laughs> At a different cafe uh, oh, when he wasn't oh, working. Okay. I know, so exciting. I was like, what was like kind of coffee? I, I know. I was like, so is this the coffee shop you prefer in <laughs> comparison to the coffee shop that I always go to, which is your shop? And then, um, you know, we were having a good time just talking, getting to know each other. And then I went up to the bathroom because I told him I'm a filmmaker, you oh, know, yeah. in the U.S. And then so he started Googling me while uh, I was in the bathroom. Oh, you Googly. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, I come down the stairs and then he said, you know, it's so cool that I'm able to Google you yeah. and find you on the internet. Like you're this famous okay. person, right? Yeah. And I go, where is this going? Uh-huh. Right. And then he goes, my gosh, you gained a lot of weight. You used to be so much skinnier. What? And then the fuck. And what you know what was crazy? Fuck? Was my first reaction was to suddenly be apologetic. No. And, and you know how you and I were talking about, you know, what is it? We were switch coding, you know, like code switching. Code yeah, switching yeah, yeah. Sorry. We were code switching because you become a different person when you're um, speaking a different language. And we, we speak Mandarin. And so yeah. um, suddenly I became this child again oh, where no. I started to apologize for taking up space. Oh, my God. And then I said, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know, you know, why I became this way. Like, I, I know that you know, I could be more beautiful if I just lost weight. And oh, then he goes, Roxy. he's like, I never said you were not beautiful. He says, you are very beautiful, but you're just fat. <laughs> So in context, I just have to say culturally, he did not say it in a malicious manner. He did no. not intend to hurt me. It sounds so matter of fact, even as you're saying it. You right. know what I mean? Like, obviously, I wasn't there. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have gone with you in your suitcase. Yeah. You know, I would. But it yeah. sounds like it just came out really matter of fact, which is like not a character flaw in him per se, but just the fact that he's ingrained in that culture. Your body is open to anyone saying whatever they want to it. Fuck, it's It's true. It's like, you know, before we started the podcast, Abe was talking about like, 
your body's open to judgment. If they haven't seen you in a while, it's not like, oh, you look good. It's, oh, you gained weight. Oh, you lost weight. Yep. No shit, Sherlock. Yeah, yeah. You know, is that- My body how, fluctuated. Yeah, definitely. It's normal. How am I supposed to feel? Like, yeah. is it always just a pursuit of a certain archetype that right. you want me to be that yeah. I will obviously never achieve? Fuck. Like, it's crazy. So then he said, and that really dumbfounded me. He's yeah. like, you're beautiful, but you're just fat. And I go- is that a compliment? Is that a, a, not a compliment? Ugh. I am very confused. But you just have to, that, like him having that tone of like, no, I'm, I'm somehow helpful to you by pointing this out. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like, excuse me, like you don't have that authority over my body or you don't have the, like the right to say anything. But of course he feels like he does because he's ingrained in that culture. And, so, yeah. yeah. And I guess my body type is just, I mean, my, my breast size are abnormally large, you know? For, I mean, for, every time I see you, <laughs> I go for the motorboat. You know, know this. <laughs> you always dive straight I for my go boobs. straight in, Like, yeah. I know I have a fetish body. I know that it's mm. abnormal, as most people would call it, that it, I don't develop normally. But, you know, to be ostracized, but also made it seem as if he wasn't being malevolent, yeah. really confused me. Right. So then I said that the next thing, because I was still processing my feelings, yeah. I said, you know what? I had a really good time, but I right. think I should go home now. Right. Oh, then I tried to walk home. He goes, no, let me like take you home. Oh or, my like, God. And then I was like, uh, I was just trying to duck out the best way I can. Take and then, a hint, Sherlock. I know. <laughs> and, but that's the culture, right? That's the dating yeah. culture in Taiwan, which I'm not used to as well. Yeah. Like Americans, I'm like, here, here's my boundaries. Oh, okay. I respect that. All right. Well, I guess sure. I'll talk to you later. Or I'll just ghost you, whatever. Yeah. But he was such a gentleman. You know, I was like, maybe I'll go into the shop and look for something for my dog. And yeah. he ended up accompanying me like oh for gosh. the next 30 minutes. And That's I so was confusing. confusing. It was very confusing. And I said, so I'm not attractive, but I'm beautiful. You know, it yeah. was just, they always associated fat with unpretty. Right. Yeah. So my brain was like structured in a binary way in terms of this context growing up because it, there was no middle ground. You can't be yeah. both. No, you no. can't be both beautiful and fat. That is so difficult to hear. And it seems like a weird version of negging you, you know, like he was putting you down so that you would need him, I guess, in some way. But you bring up a really good point. Um, and I feel like I want to take us to topic one, which is basically fat shaming and fat phobia mm. in film TV culture, because that is a lot of you saying abnormal, like even you just saying the abnormal, I'm clocking it because... If you go and look at Renaissance paintings and you look at these supple bodies, you know, mm -hmm. I think like tortellinis were named after like the belly button. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. these bodies are beautiful and they're not quote unquote normal to what we've um, adopted as normal in modern society. But it doesn't mean that it's normal or abnormal. We've just what's the word yeah. <laughs> it, it's just like something we've all decided on as a society it's not real you know what i mean and so i do want to talk about fat shaming fat phobia body shaming in film and tv especially in the western world first oh, yeah, because first. you know that's yeah. what we were rooted in and yeah. even for you to say my body's abnormal like Oof, that hits me in the gut because it's like, who's defining normal? Who's yeah, saying? Me saying that yeah. just shows you that I'm still working on it. I, I haven't 
recovered. Yeah. I'm 33. And I like to think that like, yes, in my thirties, I've embraced my body a lot more. I've had amazing, you know, lovers and friends who really love me for who I am and love my body for the way it is. And it sucks because like you want to feel like you could grow to love yourself on its own, but it's hard when society and everything you've ingested growing up was telling you some other way. Do you have a conscious memory of making fun of fat bodies that kind of and, and how did that affect you shallow hell do you remember oh, that movie oh yes jack black oh fuck and yeah also, gwyneth paltrow let's right? talk about that okay. because the thing is jack black yeah if we were talking about him in a handsome sexy alpha leading male sense he wasn't that no but he's somehow scored Gwyneth Paltrow yeah. because deep inside she's this beauty. Well, okay, what about him? Yeah. It is so unfair. Yeah. Yeah. Like how, I mean, I know that, you know, everybody, regardless of your gender, we go through our own self image issues, but sure. for women, when it comes to fat women, mm. my God, it's so, um, it's almost like disposable. It's disposable. Yeah. yeah. I just remembered that movie hitting me real different, Oof. you know, because Who did you like, watch it with? Where were you? And, and, and what was your response? I think I watched it by myself. Oh, okay. And, and I know that came out when we were fairly young. Yeah. Like high school, maybe like 15, 14. Yeah. yeah. I didn't watch it with anybody. Wow. And I think, uh, it wasn't funny. It wasn't empowering at no. all. They were just like, oh, it, it just matters like how beautiful you are on the inside. Yeah. I'm like, you still had Gwyneth Paltrow yeah. Yeah. represent that. Mm-hmm. What about Jack Black? Is he like, you know, Johnny Depp? Is he like, you know, Brad Pitt? No. Yeah. You know, how come she didn't see like the Brad Pitt in him? Yeah. Like, yeah. it was so unfair the way that it was so presented. Unfair. Yeah. It wasn't funny. And that icky kind of turn where he, like, whatever, the curse is kind of lifted in the, like, kind of moving into the third act kind of moment and he doesn't want to see her because if he sees how fat she is he'll fall out of love you know what i'm saying like it was so icky and i think i've seen it kind of recently and it definitely doesn't age well with time you know in terms of representation did that make your self-hatred more pronounced did that bring that to the surface like internally what were you going through it just sucks because every fat person that was represented is yeah. either one of those pathetic yeah. characters yeah. that nobody will ever take seriously true and you're always going to be the comic mm-hmm. you know like even Sammo hung let's talk about Sammo hung for a second okay jackie chan is a renowned martial artist do you know Sammo hung no okay so there was this tv show called martial law okay um that i loved growing up Ooh. it had kelly who in it Ooh. and it just talks about this fat cantonese martial artist oh. cop and Sammo hung is fat but he could freaking aerial. Yes. He could freaking take out a whole army of people with his martial arts skill. He's, he's in Yip Man, like uh, many versions of it. He's a famous, revered martial artist. Wow. But because he's fat, he was never taken as seriously as Jeez. Jackie Chan. But he was at the same level as him. Oh, my God. He's so good. He has a lot of charisma and all of that. But, you know, he just never made it to that place because of his what he looked like you know yeah absolutely and it's like i love following now like obviously now we live in an age where even though it's not perfect body positivity is on the rise especially among millennials and gen z very grateful for that aspect of social media a hundred percent yes there are good things about social media and i love following these tiktokers who are yoga instructors who are you know, thicker. Yes. And I do want to talk about the terminology because as you can see, I'm not comfortable with saying fat. You know what I'm saying? Because 
I have grown up thinking that was offensive or somehow derogatory, but that has kind of been reclaimed as of late. So let's definitely talk about vernacular. But you're seeing these yoga instructors who are, you know, big girls, big guys, and they're doing headstands. They're doing tree put. They're doing all these like crazy um, balance holds that yeah. I can't fucking do. Yes. And they're flexible as fuck. So like you're saying, like their physicality has no correlation, you exactly. know? And, yeah. and interesting that you brought that up about the whole fat word. Yeah. Because it's uncomfortable. It is. Right? And, yeah. and people were trying to ease into this word by saying plus size, yes. you know, um, body Thick. positivity, yes. Thick, mm-hmm. you know, and making it fun and juicy. Yeah. But I actually do want to reclaim fat because, Got it. you know, even when I say it in, in uh, normal conversations, I'm like, yeah, I'm a fat girl. Yeah. And um, my friends would be like, no, 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 you're not. You're not fat. You're not fat. And yeah. I'm like. Oh, but I am. Right. Let's look at the definition of fat. Right. You know, and I'm like, it's exactly what what I am. Yeah. Like, let's have no fear. Yes. Having a problem with it is actually more offensive in a way. A hundred percent. I hear you. So Roxy and I, we are both millennials, right? And because we're millennials, we grew up with rail skinny models and actresses, right? We're talking like Kira Knightley, who's fucking like a twig we're talking like natalie portman and this is really not like a judgment on any of these people these people were just nicole richie was a fashion icon she literally had an eating disorder and she was it was like what's nicole richie's like secret to being so thin you know and we grew up with super super low cut pants Britney tops, Spears, hello. Britney Spears, Christina Aguilar. Pubic bone I know, it was shorts. like, where is your vagina? <laughs> it was like someone went on Photoshop and like cloned and erased their their pubis. It's like Britney was the definition of fit. Yeah. When in fact, she's still like a size zero. She still is like, yeah. Yeah. yeah she, you know, you're right. Because at the time, obviously things have changed, but Christina Aguilera was considered skinny or like the ideal. And then Britney was like more athletic. Uh, build, 100%. Right? She had those yeah. abs. Yes. You and could see the cut oh, in could her see body. The, mm, yeah. That's kind of what we grew up around. So I've noticed like in my in my constant unlearning of toxic things from when I was younger that I had latent fat phobic like iOS installed in my brain. I realized how harmful a lot of that was, you know, and it was ingesting this information, having this actually like uh, this belief and an understanding that's constantly confirmed around you in the media that being thin is the ideal. Remember what happened with Kelly Clarkson? Oh my God. Like yes. that was like, why did they have to go after her like that? Oh my God. When she was going through so much shit in her life and, yeah. you know, being a mom and like, you know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh. it's so toxic. Like yeah. the way the world molds and our industry manufactures wow, this you, idea of beauty. You saying that literally just jogged my memory of watching like KTLA morning news and the weather person being like, maybe you should just stay away from the hometown buffet. And oh it was my like, God. what? Yeah. So how was it as a millennial growing up in the early aughts, super low cut, every the, the skinny is the ideal. Like what what is what were you going through in your mind? That I could never be that. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like I don't know if you if you ever idolize those bodies, yeah. but I just looked at my body, especially as I was going through puberty, I was broad shouldered, mm. you know, my boobs were growing exponentially fast because yeah. my mother manifested it. Because she was afraid <laughs> that I was going to come out flat oh. and then be careful what you wish for. 
and now they're gargantuous. Super manifest. Yes, super manifest. She manifested it yeah. super hard. Can she to- manifest a little for me? <laughs> I can run into you and okay. hopefully some of it will just, but only, you have to be careful yes. because, because it's, it's like, like the game snake, you know, yeah, you, you hit it and you really, go, yeah. you just have to be careful what you wish for because yeah. these are a lot to handle. Do you have back pain? Just- See, here's another thing with uh-huh. that is that, um, I'm sorry, I need to answer a question, but, but to talk about my, yeah. my chest is that my mom has been talking about wanting me to get reduction for so many years Ooh. now. And it's like, oh, too big is unsexy. Too yeah. big is undesirable. Yeah. And in the past, I did have back issues with them. Interesting. And I thought about cutting them off, you know, Whoa. and she would say things like, like it's such a callous way, just Jeez. like, just chop them off, you know? Yeah. And I just thought to myself, for anybody who wants to, you know, surgically modify their body, yeah. all the more power to sure. you. You have to love yourself and your yeah. body the way that you envision it to yes. be. But for me, you know, I'm an organic girl. Mm-hmm. Like I feel weird if I have to take prescription medicine that wasn't prescribed for me. I'm not into trends and all that. So, um, I did, you know, started working out, started doing yoga and I balanced myself out and there is no more back pain. Yeah. And I love my breasts. Like, you know, Thelma and Louise, my bad girls in crime, they are a part of me. And, you know, I've utilized it because in the past I used to fear how people would see me or judge me when they see me. But I'm so glad I've come to a point in my life where I'm like, I can't control the way you feel about me. No. You know? But I do notice that I know you accept your body. I know you accept your breasts. But I do notice, like, you can find a way to, like, make light of them, make a joke, desexualize them to make other people comfortable. Yeah. And 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 even though we laughed, and I know it's like, you know, it's you and me. So, like, you know, we can make fun of each other and we have inside jokes. And that's, yeah. you know, but it, it's interesting to me. And, and, and it's it's something to note that it's like... Yeah, even now you still feel the need to make other people feel more comfortable with your body by framing it and contextualizing it in a a different way. It's still something that I'm working on Mm. because, you know, I think another fear of it is breasts, especially big breasts, were seen as like a sexual aspect. Slutty or or harlot, you know, the scarlet letter, right? You know what I mean? And I'm very aware of cancel culture. So it's like if I wear something too inappropriate right you know maybe further down the line if a crew member feels uncomfortable with that sure sure like they may be like oh roxy did this that made me feel uncomfortable when in fact it's like where is the balance and trying to manage yeah where are the boundaries what is the line because i feel like even though we are having this conversation there is still a line yeah well and it's like tough because that's also rooted in some sexist shit that our society needs to work out which blames the female and her body for any sexual desire from the man you know what i mean like uh, for a female to feel uncomfortable with a male co-worker's advances like he would have to have like his dong out you know what i mean but mm-hmm. like for a female it's like a short skirt a low-cut top like these are not worn in a way to be sexually explicit for anybody who doesn't know what it's like to have like yeah. h cup breath <laughs> h- <laughs> 
yes okay okay like, got it like, like me wearing a v-neck yeah. exposing my cleavage yeah. or me wearing something that reveals them a lot more is not to be sexy yes it's so that they have more room to move yes. around all right right so anytime people are just like wow that's like low cut it's because i could breathe a little bit yes. more easily oh my goodness okay it's so true yeah Jeez. and i'm not cutting them off you no, know so no it's like nor should you nor should you and yeah. like so basically like what happened in the early aughts was it was a glamorization of what essentially was disordered eating it was very common in the early aughts for like not a joke for the diet to just be like eat a grapefruit yeah oh my god i remember that trend yeah oh and yeah. the lemon cayenne pepper diet or Where whatever you, like just drink that juice yes. water for like it's like two a flush weeks. yeah and it fucks up your like microbiome and all that shit and it's like oh it's like maple syrup lemon and water and cayenne yeah they said that beyonce did it and then suddenly all these women all are doing of her it. problems go away and why do always it's always women that like had to embrace these i know diets. i know like, i mean now i feel like i feel like men are pretty obsessed with diets especially when it comes to their bodies now but in the early aughts it, it was very strongly the onus was on females to check out their diet so with all of this around you with this like glamorized anorexia pretty much i'm just gonna call it what it was because it was very glamorized to like not eat very much models were known for eating a stick of celery and like if that you and know also they like to cutely call it or cutesy called it rexies like, oh my god i didn't know that yeah, i haven't heard I, that i was a rexy oh my god and that's some fucking heavy shit so because they try to endear it in a way so did that influence how you approach dieting? I tried everything. Okay. I tried starving myself. No. I tried. And I it was clear I don't like throwing up food. Oof. You know? But you tried it. I tried See, it. That's some fucked And up then shit. my mom used to do this thing. And it's weird. You know, I just really want to say that. You know, she wanted what was best for me yeah. in her own way and wanted me to be accepted and loved and knowing that fat people weren't as accepted or loved as easily. So she used to, everything that I ate, she would observe, she would monitor. Mm. And I remembered um, sometimes she'll let me chew the food but spit it out. So I, at least I could taste it, but oh I can't God. fully enjoy it. So she'll be like, tu so I, I can't eat the, really eat the food. And then. Was um, she ever strict like that with your father? Oh, no. So it was just. She, there's, there's a certain fat that she can accept, but mine was the one that she can't. And so, um, and still this day, it's something that we struggle with yeah. is her acceptance of my fatness. And, um, and I know she loves me, you know, she's my best friend, but this is a really big issue, you know, in our relationship. It created a cycle of patterns for me because I'm so mm. used to her monitoring my food that it affected my friendships and relationships. How so? So like, you know, I was on MCIA on the dance team. Right. And then, um, if I see my friend drinking a whole bottle of spray, I'm like, don't drink all of it. And then she'll be like, oh, it was Elaine. Oh, yeah. oh Elaine. Yeah. Elaine. And she's like, I don't care. Wait, and I'm like, my cousin-in-law? Yeah, your cousin-in-law. Oh and and she's amazing. I yeah. love her. And, you know, it was out of love, but I just saw myself repeating this cycle. And, you yeah. know, I shared this story before where I did with my ex-boyfriend. It's yeah. like, um, I would only eat half of the meal, put the rest on his plate to like test him. Yeah. I remembered there were nights when I would sneak downstairs because I was so hungry oh my gosh. to like try and grab something to eat. 
No. Like, so because I can't sleep if I'm not hungry. Yeah. And then feel sh- ashamed about it. So you would, you would, would you hide food in your room? No, like, I can't. Oh, She'll okay. find it. So then oh. I have to go and then somehow count and somehow hide the trash and like do all this stuff so that I don't get caught or be punished for it the next day. But you were already chewing and spitting your food out. Like your, your caloric intake was so low and you were doing color guard and like, yeah, yeah but what was her but this would create my binge eating problems away from home so it's like i would eat burgers i would eat i would go to denny's and try to sneak in something to eat because your body is lacking certain things yep so and then i remembered i used to have a treadmill in my house i would run six miles a day oh my god like in high school oh my god to try and maintain or or take off calories oh my god now that i really think back on it it was a terrible time. Yeah. You know? And did your mom ever take drastic measures with your diet? I would think the spitting food was pretty drastic. That's very drastic. Like that That's- was really painful. And then um, and then I think when I was 19, she took me to see a holistic doctor in Taiwan mm. when she thought my weight was unbearable. And then um, this cocktail medication suppressed my appetite. So I took 15 pills a day. Holy shit. Did it fuck with your immune system? It like- fucked with me because I like, I lost weight really quickly because I just didn't want to eat anything. But that's like putting you into starvation mode. That's not good for you. Yeah. Oh my God. And then um, I, I looked really hot. But then here's the thing, Priska, is that I'm so used to being in a fat body. I'm so used to being undesirable. But, but I was like, 140 pounds, probably the skinniest I've ever been in my life. Wow. My breasts were still very voluptuous. Yeah. I was very sexy, I guess, if you were to call it that. And then I got hit on by all these Ooh. men and it made me so uncomfortable. Like I would just get all this unwanted attention, right. newfound unwanted attention Ooh. that I crave being in my fat body. Again. Wow. I mean, first of all, your fat body is, I think, just beautiful and it's not just the body itself is beautiful the way you are your exuberance and the way you carry yourself it's beautiful and so i don't know how you're not getting hit on every two seconds you know (laughs) what i'm saying but like that is so interesting because i think women who've experienced rape or sexual assault they want to gain weight so that they they put off any advances. So I know that is that is its own subset of disordered eating. But obviously that's not what happened to you. But I can kind of understand that psychology of like, get me out of here. This is more than I bargained for. And you don't know how to handle it because you didn't grow up looking hot. Yeah. So I uh, just craved, you know, being protected yeah. behind these layers again. Wow. Ugh, this is hard this topic. This is really hard and because you love – you keep saying like – you love your mom. And do you think she'll ever fully accept your body as it is? No. And that's okay. Honestly, it's okay. Like if I, I understand that life and relationships are constantly a work in progress. Yeah. But I think we've come so far in our relationship and she understands that I take care of myself the best way I can. Yeah. And that's it. You yeah. know, like you still have to set your own rule book and everybody else can do their best to give their input. But I think what's really hard when you get older is like what Abe was talking about earlier is talking to that inner child that's triggered. 
Because she doesn't really, she doesn't die. Your inner child is always within you. Absolutely. Right? Or like a tree. You just keep growing rings around yourself. (laughs) (laughs) More layers to protect myself, please. But, you know, like you were talking about negative self-talk. Like in your mind, first, I do want to hear maybe what some of those voices sounded like. But is it your voice? Is it her voice? Is it an amalgamation? It's her voice and my own because it's suddenly, I think, when your body craves sugar or salt, right? Mm -hmm. You go and eat it and then afterwards you are made to feel like shit because look at what you did. Your lack of self-control, your lack of discipline. Mm -hmm. Look what you've done, you know? And all that negative self-talk leads to depression and mental health issues. And I used to remember when I was dealing with my self-image back in college and high school. And I said to myself, I wish I could start over. Mm. I wish I could not be in this life Mm. so that I could be in a life that has that, those genetics or like that metabolism. Why me? How come I'm unattractive? Mm. You know? Mm -hmm. And it didn't help that I don't think I was chased after by anyone particularly in Mm. high school, except Andrew. Andrew was really great. But then, you know, He's gay, but it's fine. Um, And then uh, college, it was very much because I deflected relationships, Mm -hmm. not because of my body. And for Mm -hmm. so long, I used my body as that excuse of of justifying to myself that I'm not desirable when in essence, it's a lot deeper than that. Yeah. Yeah. It goes deeper than your skin. Because it's self-worth. It's self-worth and insecurities. So my relationship with my body and my relationship with food, it's weird. It's like, I don't think I have a specific bad relationship with food. I think I eat fairly well and Mm -hmm. I treat myself well. It's just the having to deal with how the world sees you and your own mental self-talk. And in your own household, the baggage that you carry, you know, and, you know, we're going to dive deeper into your personal kind of process and how you think about food. But I wanted to talk about that because you were telling me you'd been on set, you'd been so busy, you hadn't been able to exercise the way that you have been this Mm -hmm. past year. And the way you were talking about yourself, I was like, whoa, it was more mean and critical towards yourself than I had heard in a while. I think it's because the pandemic allowed me time to discover what worked for me. And when normal life came back, I berated myself. Yeah. It, it is, it's interesting now that you brought it up. It is a pattern, yeah. right? It's like, why couldn't you keep this up? Mm. What is wrong with you? Another failure. Another like failure. In- like you did that. You accomplished it. What happened? Mm. How did you let it slip through your hands like mm. that? Right? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's insane. And, um, I have to commend my friend Brie, you know, mm-hmm. Brie Goldberg, because like she she successfully lost 50 pounds and wow. um, she did it with intuitive eating. She ate when she wanted to. And she was like, if I don't feel like working out today, I'm not going to push myself that hard. She mm. goes, Roxy, it's fine. You mm. will gain back weight. You will lose the weight. Yeah. She goes, it is a constant ongoing process. Like, yeah. stop feeling like it's another goalpost that you have to hit. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not linear. It's true. I mean, I, I was living with actors in Ashland and, you know, a lot of my husband's friends are actors and some of our friends are actors, you know, actors. Um, But even the people with the crazy six packs, um, they obsess about food more than I think the average person or even fat people. They obsess about food. They are unable to 
let themselves go because they have to maintain this whatever ongoing project, which is their body. I have to ask you a question because you are also someone in the limelight. So yeah, you you may not be an actor per se, but you are a singer songwriter. You perform on stage and you went to Asia to compete once like you're seen. What was your relationship like with your body during that time when you were creating the foundation of your self-image? Oh, that's such a good question. I would say that the things I was insecure about were more so, you know, my skin and being ugly. Um, And I, I was very concerned about that, especially early on in my career. But when I went to China and I, I just looked at a photo of myself uh, of the skinniest that I ever was. And I was literally just bones. You know, it was when I started you were like so tiny, I was tiny and it had to, a lot to do with like when, when I was dating, when I was younger, if I liked someone, I, I stopped eating because I was just too nervous and excited. So I was just like really, 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 really like skinny down. I didn't really enjoy food the way I do now. I, I, I didn't, but I went to China. I think I talked about this before, but I went to China and they, the first thing they had me do was like undress myself uh, down to my underwear and they took off all my makeup and they basically critique you and say what they have to do to make you look like an idol, you know? Um, and they were like, all right, well, her eyebrows are fucked, you know, which, which you guys know. Um, but they were also like, she could really like lose five pounds. And at the time I had never been critiqued for my body. I think I was 20, um, maybe 21. And I, I just hadn't been critiqued on my body in a negative way when it came to being skinny or fat, you know what I mean? And so it stuck with me a lot more than I wanted it to. And Mm -hmm. I didn't really do anything about it. It's just, it's another thing that I can pile on when I'm feeling bad about myself. You know, I've struggled with my weight kind of for the first time in the past couple of years. And I do want to get a little deeper into that. But can I ask you first, like, did you have friends around you who struggled with eating disorders? It was never spoken about. You could just sense certain things? It was, it was never spoken about. Wow. And every girl, when I was growing up, was dealing with their own eating Ooh, battle. Yeah. And no one wants to be shamed yeah. for wanting to look pretty. Like, okay, before prom, did were uh, did your friends do a ton of crash dieting and things like yes, that? Yes, that was something that was... And you know what I fucking hated yeah. was like this girls with fast metabolisms mm-hmm. flaunting how much they could eat Ugh. in front of those who yeah. are probably more susceptible to weight gain. Right. And it was painful. Oh, like, man. I, I just remembered like in high school, I'm like, I'm so glad you know, there's TikTok and, you know, the positive aspects of social media with these younger generations allowing space for body diversity, you know, because I always wondered what that would have been like. Like, I would have loved that to be loved for, you know, my body size and being okay with it. You know what I mean? Because I just enviously looked on thinking I would never be able to accomplish that in my life. And then thinking, even further along, mm-hmm. when I was at that age, they're like, your metabolism slows down when you're older. You get fat and ugly when you're older. And right. I'm like, well, if I'm already fat and ugly now. What's the point? Of- what, what's the point of like yeah. even living? You yeah. know, like what, what's the point? I'm not going to be desirable. Like it was a spiral oh of gosh. just like 
if you don't fix it now, you're going to have a terrible life. Yeah. If it's not like this now, you're going to have. Uh, it's you're done. You're done. It's demise. How, yeah. How crazy are you supposed to live up to that? Yeah. yeah. And I, I do want to say, like, I know we're kind of couching this as how culture pressured people into having eating, eating disorders. And and I understand it's not a causality thing. I think culture doesn't help. But I know that with eating disorders, it's a it's a deeper mental health issue. For and sure. if y'all are struggling with that in any way, shape or form, like there's no reason not to talk to a professional. And um, it's some heavy, heavy shit. I don't think there's a cure. I don't think there's a cure from having kind of eating I don't even know if disorder is the right word anymore. I, I'm not too deep in this world because, you know, Roxy and I, we, we are adults. It's framed very differently as adults. So I don't really know how, you know, Gen Z is kind of we're approaching it. We're not experts. Yeah. But we're not experts. And we're not experts about, <laughs> about uh, anything. on anything. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> but, for uh, listening to us. <laughs> I know. Okay. Stay horny. But, uh, but I grew up with... Um, I remember eighth grade, I had a friend struggling with anorexia and bulimia. I genuinely remember not knowing how to deal with it. And it was a surprise. And then people would say pretty judgmental stuff like, well, she's not even skinny. So she's she's lying. She's just being dramatic. Oh, my God. Which is really damaging. And, and so terrible. I can't say that I didn't internalize some of that because I was very young and, and, and susceptible, you know. And, and, and I have to take responsibility. It's, it's just... I was her really close friend. I was very supportive of her. It, there were lunch times where she wouldn't eat. She would be faint. I remember one day at school, she was playing with her hair and she, uh, she pulled out a huge chunk of hair. She just pulled out a huge chunk of hair, which how, is... How old are you? Eighth grade. Oh my God. It started so young. And and she was a big personality, a, a, a lovely girl, you know, and, and it was um, really heartbreaking because I didn't know what to do. I was so young. I, I, I was very quiet. I, I was very limited in my knowledge. And so I remember at that time, I checked out a book from the library. I, I can't remember the name right now. I think it was something like Second Star to the Left or something. But it was a book about a girl suffering from anorexia. And it was written from her perspective. And she she ends up in a rehab, like a anorexia rehab facility. And she gets down to like 70 pounds and she's like, there's an IV in her arm and she wants to, she just still feels so fat, even though, you know, it, it's taking you into her mindset. I think she said something along the lines of like, there's a sergeant in my head and I have to listen to the sergeant. You know what I mean? And like the sergeant takes care of me type of thing. And I just remember reading it. And I think this book, if I'm not incorrect, has since then not been recommended to younger girls because it's very um, influential. Like, Well, also it's, there's the concept of harboring or like keeping literature away from certain people yeah. in fear that it might encourage certain behavior. Yeah. When in fact, it's like if you had access to knowledge earlier or that you had representation of someone going through yeah. Yeah, something similar written, written from a YA lens. Yeah. How much supported would you feel? It's just tough because I agree. And also that book after reading it, those thoughts in my mind started to, to churn in a way that, and I had to actively be like, no, this is a, like, this was because of the book. Like I have to, I had to fight it. You wow. know what I'm saying? It was that powerful because I think if, to my knowledge of like anorexia, at least psychologically, it is 
it's a certain type of mindset or like a certain type of way that your mind is turning on this lie that mm. you are fat. It's contextualizing as fat being a negative thing. So it spins upon this. So in a weird way, I feel like I don't know what's good or bad. And I do want, you know, if, like uh, if my little niece, I want her to have a healthy perspective, but also be aware and be exposed to what like bulimia, anorexia, et cetera, are, you know? It's weird because during that age, you don't have the power of discernment yet. You don't. That's what it is. So so you're very impressionable. So impressionable. Right? So it's like you don't really know how you're dealing with this self-image yeah. and, and how you were talking about the access of yeah. this term fat being a negative thing. Yes. And then how this foundation or this tower is built yeah. and your concept of it leading to this mental reality yes of what and manifesting it in a, in a physical way where it becomes something like bulimia or anorexia right. look i'm not an expert yeah you know what i mean but i'm just saying we're that, just talking like, about what we've been through you 100 percent. And, yeah. and i think in a way i did suffer if i were to be completely honest with myself i did yeah. suffer from mental illness with my weight mm-hmm. and but i never got help for it because it's just normalized yeah. to not be fat or that fat is you know villainized well, you know and, and it's also like well you're fat so of course you would be obsessed with losing weight that's the societal understanding it's like well of course you are you know what i mean but it, it's not recognizing how unhealthy it is no and then of, and then there was that whole thing going around which is so true is that you never see a fat person at a gym because yeah. they feel humiliated oh humiliated yeah like, like how do you like what do you want us to do exactly you know? <laughs> like, exactly it's like i don't it, understand it, it was it, it is and it was a lose lose intensely and i remember even like one of my favorite shows gilmore girls they fat shame like crazy suki yeah. who is like lorelei gilmore's best friend um melissa mccarthy she is like all prat balls and all, every joke is kind of based around her body there's all the like there's so much fat shaming going on anyhow like in addition to my friend who in eighth grade, she was struggling with anorexia, pulled out a clump of hair. Um, I hope she's doing well. It seems like she's from Facebook. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but one of my closest, closest, closest friends, and, and again, this is their story to tell, but I was in very, very close proximity to them in college. And it was really interesting and heartbreaking and sad because they did not want to eat meals with people, but they would find really creative ways to avoid it. You know, it, it give an example. Like, it'd be like, oh, we're all grabbing lunch. You should come with us. And it's like, oh, I have a quiz. I have to go, but I'll meet you guys for boba or something. And then when they came for boba, they'd be like, oh, I just had, I just had like a huge Coke. Or whatever. Mm. I just had a huge like energy bar. I couldn't. Yeah. Always deflecting. And um, I think that being around that mindset for a prolonged period of time, I knew that it, I was at a point in my life where I wasn't going to get influenced by it too much, like dragged into that. But it was something where food became almost a character in our friendship. 
Food is character and friendships, so in general, do you realize that? It is. It is. Yeah. It's no. Like, like, let's take Mean Girls, for example. Yeah. This is a very small detail. Right. If you notice that, like, Regina George, yeah. she eats salad with a side of Perrier. Yeah. All the other girls, you know, that follow the Mean Girls, they all eat the same thing. They just have the side salad with yeah. the Perrier. Yeah. Um, you know, if there's a popular girl in the group who doesn't feel like eating, no one eats. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like they determine. It's herd mentality, too. It is herd yeah. mentality. Yeah. And, you know, like nowadays like ballerinas, they all like end up with, you know, eating one stick of chewing gum or whatever, you know, because every, that that's the thing to do in the group. And if you don't like, are you taking your ballet career seriously? And let's be honest, if you and I were going somewhere to eat, yeah. you're like, oh, let's order food. And I go, I just ate. You'll be like, OK, then I won't either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, We'll yeah. just get drinks. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, you know, something that jaw, what I love about jaw is like if I'm fasting, you yeah. know, and then. And I'm like, are you hungry? He's like, yeah, I'm going to eat something. And then he'll just eat in front of me. Yeah. Like, like he, he doesn't care. Yeah. You know, like that's something that I never had growing up. Right. Like I was taught to condition to be like, what? Oh, if you're not doing that, I'm not doing it. I'm in solidarity yes. with you all the time. But the fact is all of our bodies are different. All of our bodies And are they need different things. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right, goatees. Well, we're going to take a short little break and we're going to come back and we're going to really dive into like our personal struggles with food intake and our relationship with our bodies. We'll be right back. Hi, goatees. We love hanging out with you and it's what we look forward to every single week. If you're liking what you're hearing, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It will help us a lot so we can continue to hang out every single week and make content for you. Thank you so much. And remember, stay horny. We're back from the beach. <laughs> wow, the beach is beautiful. I love boogie boarding. <laughs> I'm a grown adult who loves to boogie board. Genuinely. We're getting sand all over the studio yes. now, you naughty girl. Oh, you naughty girl. You know, you get it in all your orifices. You know what I'm saying? I get really excited when I pee out some sand. Oh, ooh. Oh, oh. isn't it funny? Like when you go to the beach and you pee, you go to the bathroom in the, you know, on the beach and your pee feels so hot. Yes. I love it. I love that feeling. I was like, I'm creating fire with my body. It feels like, um, like a roadside diner. Like when they're pouring out the coffee, that's what the pee feels like. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I love that. Let's go. Like steaming, like hot, like everybody knows it's happening. Yes. It it feels really satisfying. feel reconnected connected with my body it really does yeah yeah, yeah. it's kind of like when you rollerblade and you get out of your rollerblades you feel really short i don't know it's like this weird well, like effect <laughs> that is true yeah yeah and how you feel like you're on on an ocean so. yeah and yeah. like your feet are then cement you know what i mean because you fun. used to be like flying you let's know? go roller skating let's go roller skating i think that'll be fun yeah well we have a pretty heavy topic in front of us roxy let me let me start with today how do you feel about your body today i would say is how she feels today. Okay. And it's crazy, right? Because you asked me that question and I can't even give a general answer. Mm. She really feels different day to day. And sometimes that's determined by, did I do an hour of workouts? Did I do yoga for 30 minutes and cardio for 30 minutes? Did I, you know, manage to eat enough, right? Did I drink enough water? And then, oh, my reward is how I feel in my body today. And if I don't do that, if I don't work out in two days, my body feels completely different. And then I hate myself, right? Uh, It's interesting, like having to constantly keep this, statistic mm-hmm. of like how my body is feeling. Yeah. How about you? I have not had very good self-image 
in the past, I would say maybe two years. Um, and today I feel okay because we ate a salad. <laughs> It lunch. was fucking bomb, too. I would like you to share that recipe a little bit later. It's delicious. Okay. Um, it's very dependent. I very much so judge myself harshly on my behavior in terms of exercise and eating. Yeah. Why the last two years? When did it start? So for me, I was a gymnast as a kid. I was very active all the time. I didn't really have a high interest in food. I liked food, didn't love it. And in college, I didn't really exercise. But again, food wasn't the biggest deal to me. So most of my meals were like rice with a little bit of rosong. And I didn't eat a ton. You know no. what I mean? Yeah, I would I like furikake was my main source of like sodium, protein, everything. Like I would just put that on rice and call it a day. That was my go-to meal for the first quarter freshman year all I ate was Lucky Charms every meal for like the first quarter 12 weeks this is not the Prisca I know no I know I know um my ex-boyfriend introduced me to the world of fine dining mm. and a lot of my friends started to you know when everyone gets a little richer I didn't but everyone you know makes a little more money we started to go out to eat a lot more and then when I met Abe he introduced me to Mind of a Chef with which changed my entire paradigm because I thought food was mystical Yes. In some way, it was some sort of sorcery and Mind of a Chef brought it um, down to a level of understandable by science, which made it more approachable. I still don't know everything, obviously, but I understand that it's understandable. Right. And um, I love food. I, I love going to a good meal. I love uni. I love rich foods and I love to drink and imbibe and hang out with people. And so um, I think in my later 20s, it really became a bigger a bigger part of my life. But when I was younger, it really wasn't. It just wasn't. It wasn't something I thought about. Food was in a lot of ways more like fuel. Like if something was really good, I understood it. It was but. like more utilitarian for you in the past. Yes. But then when I think about you now, I'm like your relationship with food makes up such a large component of your personality and yeah. your energy and your vibe. Yeah. And it's all I think about. It's like, I want to know the culture behind the food. I want to know this, the, the science behind the food. I want to make a recipe better and better. I, I, I do obsess about it. And I'm not so much into restaurant culture anymore because there has kind of been a huge like me to kind of like unveiling of the behind the scenes of a lot of right. toxic restaurant culture and all that. So right. I used to glorify chefs. I don't know that I do that as much. Of course, there's cooks and chefs and recipe developers that I really respect. Um, and there's this whole drama going on right now with Reply All doing a Bon Appetit like um, thing. Oh, girl, there's so much drama. But we can Ooh, talk about so much. I, I literally was going to make that my unsolicited pick, but this shit, the house burned down. So I can't. Um, so anyway, we can talk about that later. But for me, what happened was I think I slowly was gaining weight through my 20s, but like very, very incremental. Like mm -hmm. I was really skinny at 23. Um, and at 25, I could still work short shorts and like be totally fine. And then at like at 28, um, 29, I ate like crazy. Abe and I would drink. We'd go to the bar. We'd drink. We'd come home, make some lamian, eat that, pass out, go to sleep. That mm. was like a common Friday, Saturday night like event, you know? Mm -hmm. When I was preparing for my wedding, um, 
I was like, cool, I've done this before. I I had done in my 20s, I had done like 30 days of bar and I lost like seven pounds. And then I did like, oh, like we did a workplace who can lose the most weight. And I got, I think, third place for losing the most body fat. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It was yeah. so easy. It was like, my mom would just be like, oh, don't, but don't, Joe. Joe, like, so shall I? Like, oh. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like move or not move and, and, and it goes down. Wow. And I think when you are an athlete as a child, you have a lot of muscle mass that you have. So when you work out, like, it, it, like you burn calories fast, you know? Um, there is a situation where your body just sort, sort of eats the fat. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I remember maybe like six months before my wedding, I was like, oh, okay, well, girls always do something before their wedding. So maybe I should do something. And mm. I just started noticing kind of like my pants starting to fit a little tighter. So at this point, I'm like 29. So I think my metabolism like right then started to slow down. <laughs> it was like right th- It was like right I got engaged. before your wedding. <laughs> I know. My, I got engaged and my body was like, we're done here. No, I'm kidding. Perfect. I know. It's like internalized sexism, you know, deep, like molecular sexism. Engaged. Now we can yeah, stop we're trying. Done. Yeah. You don't have to try anymore. Yeah. Um, but so I remember I went keto. I was doing intermittent fasting. I was like doing all the things. And I was like, cool, like watch, like watch guys. I'm going to lose so much weight. Um, and I didn't. I maintained. I maybe lost like two pounds, like maybe shaved down and worked out enough in my arms where I didn't look grotesque, you know, to myself. You know, at the wedding, I looked fine. But I, if I look at the photos, I'm like, wow, I have a little pooch that I didn't have before, you know. Oh, you know, nice. and this is just, you know, kind of huntial, right? But, right. like, when we moved to Ashland is when shit kind of hit the fan for me. Like, I don't know that even, like, all the wedding stuff, I didn't really find it to be a struggle. It was just like, oh, interesting, you know. When we moved to Ashland... I love Ashland for a lot of reasons, but as an Asian person living in Ashland, you are cut off almost completely from a lot of your culinary um, pleasures. Mm -hmm. So it's not that there's not good food there. It's just that, um, you know, you can't really get a good bowl of pho. You can't go get great Korean barbecue. You can't, um, you don't have access to like a bevy of different regions of Thailand right in your backyard, you know? And on top of that, I was suddenly cut off from the entire, um, my entire community. I was cut off from my parents, my siblings, my friends, um, my singer groups, my, you know, actor groups, like whatever. I was cut off from all of it. Well, all the actors, theater actors were all there. They were very, they were all there Um, and they were great. And then, you know, I'm in Oregon where like, to be fair, people don't really care about body image as much as we do here in SoCal, like we talked about. Um, But I was cut off from all these like culinary delights. I was cut off from my community. I was around a person a lot who was stick skinny and commented on the fact that we had different body types very often. And I'd never thought of myself as like the the antithesis to someone who's skinny. You know I what I'm saying? I never thought of you that way either. I know. And it just, it got in my head. It fucked with me. And I kept gaining weight because I turned to food for comfort. Food was the only thing that I could consistently seek out and enjoy. And so Abe and I got really good at like things we couldn't, we couldn't get, we would learn to make. So we learned how to make pho. We learned how to make chicken and rice. We learned how to make, oh my God, when Abe does his, and you've had it, his Korean barbecue <laughs> oh my spread. Oh God, it is the best. 
it is literally the I best. I can't stop eating. I literally can't have kimchi jjigae at a restaurant because his is so good that when I have it at a restaurant, I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's good, but it's like, it's not apes. <laughs> and like, we poured ourselves into that. I yeah. would wake up every day. I didn't have a job while I was in Ashland. Abe was like, you should rest. And I was like, I'm just going to obsess about recipes every day. You're just going to cook. Yeah. I yeah. Like, cooked all the time, made very like fatty foods and any time Abe and I would go on like weekend trips because we would have like two, three or he'd have two, three days off. We would go to Seattle and I would gorge myself. It was like I was eating as if if I didn't eat, I would die. Like I was just eating because it was it became an obsession. It, it, it was the only pleasure center in my brain that I knew how to fire up, you know. Mm-hmm. And if we went to Portland, I was like, we need to eat like five, six meals in a day because when we go back to Ashland, I'm back to being deprived of this. One time when I would come back to LA, not only would my social schedule, <laughs> pre-COVID, uh, my social schedule was packed. I would have a coffee with someone that would lead to uh, doing a little hike with someone that would lead to a lunch and then an afternoon coffee and then a dinner and then drinks and then late night food. I remember that you would plan everything out to the T. To the T, to the minute. It's almost like lack mentality. It's like you didn't have enough of this. So when you have it, you're going to overindulge to the point of getting sick. Pre-COVID, I was known for accidentally double booking myself. It's one of the... Of one of my worst traits, um, one that friends will call me out on. And I used to like try and, you know, I just kind of want to make everybody happy. So yes. if I double booked myself, I'd be like, Roxy, isn't it great that Steven's here? Yeah, you do do <laughs> that. I did do that. And it yeah. would come out of nowhere yeah. like a surprise. And then Roxy's face would just be like, what? Fuck and I'm like, you bitch. I know. <laughs> so you've had to sit me down and talk to me. My friend Caroline's had to sit me down and talk to me. Like, like it was one of my worst traits. But I once double booked myself with my in-laws. So there's no, there's no wiggle room there. So I went to lunch with them um, at 11 a.m. And I, and we had Korean barbecue. And then in the afternoon, I booked a lunch with somebody. Uh, I think that was also Korean barbecue. Oh, you told me about this. Yes. So I did back to back, like mukbang, like Korean, like Korean barbecue, all you can eat situations. To the point where I had a gig that afternoon, which, wow, we used to do so much in a day. But like I had a gig that afternoon at Hotel Indigo and I had eaten so much that I I wasn't throwing up because of nausea. I ran to the bathroom and I threw up because it was too full. My body was like too fucking much. Like we're not dealing with this. And I told Abe that and I, I had thought it was like funny. But the more I think about it now, like reflecting on it, and Abe and I were talking about the other night, it's like, it's not funny. Like, it's problematic. I was eating to the point where my body was like rejecting food. And I know you because you're not the type of person, like if you happen to second book yourself for that second appointment, you wouldn't be like, oh, actually I had a big breakfast. No, don't mind me if I just pick at it. Right. You're going to enthusiastically eat as if you hadn't eaten. Exactly. Which makes you a liar. I'm a liar. (laughs) I know. I'm a liar. I'm a people pleaser. I'm a recovering people pleaser. Um, And and pandemic helps with that a little bit, you know, it all happened at once. It was like my metabolism slowed down. We moved out of town. Um, I was in a, in a city where food, like um, body image wasn't as big a deal. And I turned to food for comfort the, for, for the first time in my life. And if I'm being completely honest with you all, I had friends. I've seen memes. I've seen it in TV shows where people are like, yeah, I turned to food for comfort. I never understood it. I And I was probably like, I was probably judgmental about people doing that. And, and some of you hearing me talk might be 
judgmental of me. That's fine. But I didn't understand the, oh, after a breakup, you eat a lot. I would always be the, oh, you, you're in a breakup. You don't eat anything. Like I, I'm like one of those. Either you crave or you don't feel any desire. Yes. Yeah. And I think, um, I think there's like a type of, um, Southeast Asian ghost where it's like a, a, a scorned female and she, like that was the me. When I, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And that was me. I, I was just, this man doesn't love me, so nothing in me matters. Like, yes. let me just, let me leave my body and become a ghost. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. So, it, like, that was the kind of person I was. So, and, and, and people that were undergoing stress, and they'd be like, oh, I eat a lot when I'm stressed. I was like, I never understood that. Until I got Ashland, and I started to turn to food for comfort. And once you start, you open a whole can of It worms. almost feels like you're on autopilot. Yeah. Like you just can't stop eating. Your 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 stomach doesn't recognize the fullness. Yeah. You're just getting sensory pleasures. Yes. Like in your, your mouth and your mind. Yeah. And then it feels almost orgasmic. It which does. is why a lot of like, you know, fat people who um are on the obesity side or, you know, have food as an eating condition, yeah. they prefer it over sex. Oh. Because it's almost just as, if not more pleasurable sure. than an orgasm. And better smells. Because yeah. <laughs> sex comes with some and not so great smells and sweat yes. and uh, constantly having to match. I know physical energies. <laughs> Even you know, after Ashland, we moved to La Jolla, mm-hmm. and the first thing that I did, which I think you know, is not a bad thing. The first thing that I did was I categorized every single. Asian restaurant. They have a area there that's like, I think called Conway or something, um, where they have tons of Vietnamese food, Korean food, Chinese food, like all of yeah, it. Yeah. So I cataloged it in a, in a spreadsheet and spread it and, and like shared it with our friends and like tried to hit up categorically like each one of them. <laughs> and that was like my singular obsession. That I think when I was in La Jolla is when I started to realize like I, I hated my body. I hated how I looked. I was embarrassed. I didn't want to be in photos anymore. I had three pairs of jeans split down the crotch because of my quickly expanding body. And I had never gained weight like that in my life. And I realized I did not have enough empathy for people i was i i realized i was being judgmental of a lot of people that had expressed that they had struggled with that at some point and i felt embarrassed about it and i felt shameful um of my behavior and of how i looked i felt undesirable and i i couldn't stop eating that wasn't too long ago no it was like, I think, you know, when we moved to New York, that was like a, a kind of a reset and we were so broke that um, it forced me to kind of curtail my eating habits. And you walk so much in New York. The and environment's then, a big influence as and well. Environment's a big – and I had my sister there and yeah. Abe was like happy and, you know, and, and I was working again and I felt more purpose. And just to contextual, I think I dropped like seven pounds in the three months we lived there. It's a reflection of your mental health, it your relationship is. with food. Yeah. And yeah. so when we moved out to Chino, just to bring it to the present, I went through just this time period of, I think I was already burnt out. I talked about this with my life coach. So thank God for Yonica. And um, 
I think I had been super hyper productive between July and November of last year. Right. We had started a new podcast. We birthed a baby together. I was working out every day. I was cooking every day, doing TikTok videos. I had a marketing job that I was doing um, and I was helping other people with projects and like Abe and I were working on music and like, it was like, okay, great. Like I'm so productive. And then in uh, end of November, kind of like we, we talked about it on the pod, I went through an incredibly crazy burnout and then the holidays happened. So we kind of started like innocently enough. It was like Thanksgiving. Okay. I'm going to eat as much as I want right now. And then as it went through into December, it was like, I was drinking and eating whatever I wanted. Cause I was like, you know what? Fuck it. It's the holidays. Like I'm not going to like check myself. And then when we moved in January, I think I was already so depleted that the move put me into the red and I went back to a place where mentally I was struggling to just find equilibrium, to find center, you know, and I I still hated my body because I'd gained weight over the holidays. And then I doubled down and fell into the same pattern of because like I wasn't mentally healthy, I wasn't um, happy with myself. I started to, and I was so burnt out and angry at myself for not being more productive, not being able to fucking suck it up. Like I would just, all that negative self-talk we were talking about. I was like, fucking suck it up, Priscilla. Like Jesus, like get your shit together. Why can't you get your shit together? And you realize that all of that doesn't lead to you fixing it. It doesn't. Yeah. All it did was it made me once again, turn to now my familiar companion food of we would order Bumbleway or pho. And honestly, like Chino has much better Asian food. So we're happy in that respect. But I would, I remember the, just a couple weeks ago, I ordered noodles and usually I'll eat half and save half or something. I was like, I'm just going to go for it. And I just turned my brain off and just got caught in this like meditative act of chewing and swallowing and tasting and eating. And? And I gorged myself to the point of like, I couldn't even lay down for a couple hours. You know what I mean? Like, cause I had just eaten to the point where I, my entire body hurt. It's interesting because it's like, it's self-sabotaging in yeah. the form of pleasure. Oof. Wow. Like when we Shit. talk about sex addictions or we talk about food addictions, yeah. it's like, this is your pleasure center hitting. Yes, 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 yes. yes. But you know, deep inside that you're going to experience pain yeah. later on. Yeah. And, but you say, I'm just going to leave that for later. Sort of the same way when you eat mahatang. You know what I mean? It's yes. like, I'm going to enjoy this now mm-hmm. and take every moment of it but then i know the shit's going to be shit. go, yeah the <laughs> repercussions are going to be crazy yeah, yeah. and it's um so interesting that you say that because you acknowledge this mm-hmm. and you know you just telling me your story about your ups and downs and your roller coaster journey of like yeah. your body and how it's changing and your acceptance or your denial of mm-hmm. it now where are you today and what are you planning, if at all? Um, it was almost like a self-intervention with the support of Abe. Not that he he didn't like suggest it or anything, but he's like, hey, I, I support you. You know, it was like I had to go so far to the point where my body was like not comfortable that 
it was a very clear red flag to me that I had to step back and make some sort of change. And and this will, again, sound vain. I got this opportunity to have this, uh, to be in some sort of shoot. And I was given like two weeks and I was like, okay, that's a good time for me to start kind of detoxing and trying to reformat my relationship with my eating. You know, I don't want to go on a prescriptive diet. I'm still figuring out what works for my body. And I know that it can't just be piecemeal solutions. It's got to be holistic. You know, Mm. it's got to start from the mind. And um, I think a lot of that was trying to pull back time on social media, which is really tough. Pull back time from the news, which is also really tough because I think that's a type of addiction, especially in the world we live in today. I had to pull back from that a little bit. And I do think like, you know, because of this pandemic, how long it's been going, I think my mental health was just like hanging by a thread and um, doom scrolling and getting obsessive about the news and obsessive about Instagram and Facebook and whatnot. It made that mindlessness carry over into my eating habits too, you know? So I think stepping away from that, like you're saying, like intuitive eating, honestly, I don't know too much about it other than what I think it sounds like, but it makes sense that when you're in a fugue state, you're like no longer bothering to listen to your body tell you what it needs. I guess it's like your mouth moving faster than your mind is. And uh, you were talking about, binge eating in a meditative state, yeah. which in a way it is. And then, you know, Ja once shared with me, he did an eating meditation before, like an actual eating meditation Whoa. where it's just complete silence with the other people in the group. And you just enjoy your food. You eat slowly. Ooh. You taste it because when you're binge eating, you're not tasting. Yeah. You're filling a void yeah. inside you that's suffering or lacking. Yeah. And the moment feels pleasurable because it's just fleeting. Yeah. But, you know, if you take it slow, if you relish it, he said, after 20 minutes, you only eat half because you don't realize you need as wow. much. And of course, it's not something you can do every day because we're always scrolling on our phones yeah. or we're in front of a computer watching TV. Like yeah, our lives are full of distractions. Yeah. You know, and I think it's great that like hearing you sort of vocalize your journey with food mm. has become this amazing thing yeah. and also something of great detriment. Yeah. Right. And always trying to seek out balance because one thing I noticed is that as your environment changes, mm. your relationship with food and yourself changes. Yes. So it's a constant mirroring process of your reality. I am quite susceptible. Yeah. And so for you, like, is binge eating still part of your life in any way? No. Hmm. And when did that dissipate? I think it really stopped Hmm. when I moved out. Wow. Yeah, when I moved out of when I don't live with my parents anymore. So was the lack of control something? Like, you know, your mom's taking this autonomy over your body away, taking your autonomy over your body away. Do you think it had to do with some sort of reclaiming control? Yes. I think it's like me making the decisions for myself rather than Mm -hmm. trying to hide an aspect of myself where it was like a secret lover, you know, this cheeseburger and I like (laughs) having this like wild moment in the dark corner, you know, and, and feeling ashamed that I have this illicit affair, Wow, you know, because I should not be doing this. My body 
can't handle it. My body wasn't made for it, you know? And, um, I think reclaiming yourself is such a huge theme in anybody's journey, right? Reclaiming the word fat for my own identity Mm -hmm. and also, you know, discovering that I am who I am and that it is okay to accept myself, right? As I am and that there is beauty in every curve, every shape, every fold, right? So, uh, I think that, was probably when everything shifted because now I know if I think about binge eating, I'm so hungry to that point where I'm like, I'm going to order literally everything on this menu. Mm -hmm. I know my body immediately stops itself. Wow. Like she'll just eat a little bit of everything and then she'll store the rest away. Wow. And um, my problem is I have a really bad relationship with leftovers uh-huh. like I, it's hard for me to bring it out and reheat it again I don't know why oh, there's wow. something about like eating it in the then and now at its purest state <laughs> that I get kind of crazy unless it's a stew yeah 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 then I will gladly it, heat yes. up that stew after like two days you know <laughs> what I mean in college I had this whole thing about it either goes to waste mm-hmm. like your belly waste mm-hmm. or waste the oh. trash can Ooh. Nicole Ricci had this thing where she would eat an ice cream in front of the paparazzi. And then once they stop taking pictures, she throws it away. Oh my goodness. Like she'll take two licks, she throws it away. When she'll eat something, she'll throw it away. And I was, uh, this is also a bad inclination of my relationship with food is I will not finish everything Mm -hmm. and I'll throw the rest away. Yeah. yeah. And and that's not a good thing either because I'm like, well, at least it's not going to my waste. Ooh. Right. Yeah. But I'm still wasting food. Yeah. Yeah. So now my gorging Mm -hmm. has translated into I want to try everything, hence spending a lot more money, Mm -hmm. but then throwing it away. Ooh, got it. And that's not healthy either. Right. It's kind of like it shifted things over to yeah, like money, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It shifted. (laughs) I haven't fixed it, y'all. I thought I found balance. (laughs) I'm still very We're still works in in progress. progress. We are all we yeah. are we are all suffering and i know like my mom would contextualize it and be like well at least it's better than what it was before uh, is, it, is it is it no i think it's still a problem yeah yeah no it definitely is and if you want to hear more about our financial issues you can go listen to our episode money 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 i know we're going kind of long <laughs> and so i just want to ask you story. i know i just want to ask you one more thing in terms of like I've just started hearing about this this week that body positivity in and of itself can become toxic because now it's like, okay, I think it should be body neutrality. And I was like, I don't know. Like, okay, it's the same thing (laughs) as us saying body appreciating. Yeah. You know, like, why can't we say body positivity? I don't. I I think the culture around it on Instagram has become somehow kind of overwhelming and toxic in its own way like toxic possibly we've positivity all spent anyway. too much time inside too and we're always time. on the internet too and much. everyone is a endless echo chamber of things and i think that as long as you are practicing self-love for yourself and you're exuding that to those around you so that they may also have the permission to love themselves mm. that is enough mm. If those weren't closing words, I don't know what are. So now, <laughs> ladies and gents and non-binary peeps, you know what time it is. You know what time it is. What time is it? You know what, what time, time it is. is. It's, it's time, time for... for- <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Hey. Well, and talking about food, you know, we do want to like hype up some like local small businesses and restaurants that you could go and check yes. out your little like pleasure centers for. Yes. If you want to eat more, if you want to eat very little, whatever you want, whatever floats your boat, you know, anything that floats your boat. Yeah. Um, and so I just moved to Chino, one of the Taiwanese restaurants right by my house like right by my house is called we're getting um, it for dinner tonight yeah we're getting it for dinner um it's called dago um <laughs> we, should anyway. we should say it because we should i don't know why they named this restaurant this it's like what does it mean <laughs> <laughs> it's Tell the people what to they be, eat here. okay from what we researched on the googly um it is a Chinese phrase that roughly translates to hit a dog with a bow. And, and, uh, you can, my, my dog is reacting yeah, to that right literally, now. Yeah, yeah, just got up and like is running growling. towards the back door. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, it, but basically it's saying like, uh, don't do something that, it, don't self-sabotage yourself, I think is the gist of the saying. Anyway, <laughs> the name of the restaurant is Daco. It's terrible. I don't know why. I don't, but the food is really good. I don't know if they're trying to reclaim you know what i mean like the dog eating stereotype maybe they're trying to reclaim it and be like no no let's throw your dog that is very stereotype layered away. very very layered. i i think they're really deep and i think they really thought about it um it's almost so ironic that yes it, it's like it's like when two um trans people become like trans man trans woman that they're so radical that they become a heterosexual normative couple oh interesting oh actually it's sort really, of like that like that's except that is very healthy and beautiful and i would go to that wedding yes <laughs> yes totally yeah. um yes and so anyway this taiwanese restaurant it's like a taiwan xiaozi type of thing you know mm. and it's like they have like all the classics like beef noodle soup and um all of their like xiaozi or like their um like pig ears um Ooh. um uh, tofu gan, all Ooh. of it, super good. I got like the sesame chicken soup the other night. Oh, I was like, shit, this is like some real herbal shit. You know yeah, what I mean? That's like, so good for you. It's so good for you. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I love that restaurant out here in Chino. So if you're ever driving down the 60 or the 71, go ahead and hit it up. I have been rereading A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. I've read it like maybe five years ago now. And it is just a beautiful book about friendship, the way the book deals with the passage of time is really elegant. It Ooh. almost happens the way, you know, how we woke up one day and we were 30 and we were like, wait, how the fuck did that happen? It was kind of, it, it, the book kind of moves the way you move through time. Um, it's That's very so long. the way you said it. Oh, thank long. you. I'm sure I read it in a review somewhere. <laughs> um, and it's about relationships and friendships and how they change over time. And I won't spoil anything about it, but if you've read it, please DM me because I have thoughts. So. That's Roxy, beautiful. what are your unsolicited picks? Well, my picks this week are uh, a small uh, business called Ube Baby in yes. Silver Lake, formerly for those of you who know it as Frankie Lucy Bakes Ooh. in Silver Lake. And uh, they're famous for their Filipino desserts. Girl. You brought some desserts for us last week. It was like the pandan pie yeah. and the ube pie. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. Like the sounds that were coming out of my mouth. It was sexual. It looks really unassuming, right? It from- did, yeah, it looked like it looked like just a pile of goop. Yeah, <laughs> but it's orgasmic. Yeah. It's so umami. It's so good. It's so good. And it's not too sweet. And it's got a little like texture on the top. So much flavor, though, yes. from the ube. So much flavor. So, so much flavor. ube baby is great. So support local businesses, Filipino desserts. Um, and they also have coffee, which is really <gasps> great. 
that in Eagle Rock? Or? It's in Silver Lake. Silver Lake. So, Go and get they it. also have like, you know, art from local Filipino artists, Cute. you know, and like small um, merch that you can get. So please Cute. support. Like, it's just right there on Silver Lake Boulevard. And of course, uh, we got to drop a little hot take for Minari. Hey. For those of you who haven't watched it yet, please go watch go it. Go get it. Golden so, Globes. Golden Globes. Golden, Golden Globes all the way. Lee Still Isaac shouldn't Chung. have been foreign film, but at least two directors we love are getting some love. So that's cool. That's cool. That's fine. And shout out to editor Harry Yoon who edited Harry! it. Yeah, Harry did a he great job. He visited our class, Yeah, he's right? good friends with um, Fatima. Fatima. So he, uh, congratulations, uh, Harry. Zot, zot. Amazing job. He didn't go to UCI. I know, but he came to UCI. He paid for parking at UCI. He walked into HH. You know what I'm saying? And that or was is it enough. HIB? <laughs> I don't know. And those are my two picks for unsolicited picks. I love it. Well, we're going to continue our new little series here. It's called Let's Speak Taiwanese. We are going to learn a cute little Taiwanese phrase from Miss Roxy. Roxy, what do you have from today? So uh, I just think it's great to learn about something that resonates with the theme of our topic today, which is love, love and beauty. But yes. also, instead of saying you got fat or you got skinny the uh -huh. next time you see somebody. What else can we say? You could say you look beautiful or you are handsome. That's so simple. That can't be the answer. That's too simple. It's too simple. It's too but simple. we're going to make it simple. Okay. Okay. So for you are very beautiful, it's Li, which is you li jia jia sui sui you're so pretty li jia sui ai yo kam un roxy li jia sui ai yo kam un kam un which means thank you kan un kan un kam un kam un and then if you choose to use handsome for masculine presenting compliments you could say li jia which is also the same Li yeah. jia, like you are uh -huh. so li jia en dao. Li jia en dao. Yeah. Ooh, Ooh, en li dao is sui, handsome. Li jia en dao. There you go. Oh. So next time you want to hit up somebody dating or Gets just someone on, on the street Tinder. or like coffee oh, hit shop. Up on the street. Okay. Yeah. You know, like with the mask on, you'd be Ooh, like li jia sui. Li jia sui or li jia en dao. Oh, I exactly. love that. Exactly. Hopefully your mom can adopt that into her vocabulary. Totally. Oh. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see but you know what y'all hopefully you took away something from this episode today it obviously meant a lot uh, for me and Prisca to share our personal experiences regarding our relationship yeah. with our body image as it continues to grow yes. and our relationship with food so hit us up let us know what you think please share your stories with us you please. know where to hit us up yes hello at twohornygoats.com We're going to be taking a little break in the season just to regroup, but stay tuned. Go back and listen to old episodes. Let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear more about. And on that note, have a horny week. Our lovely goatees. Mm. And remember, stay horny! If you can say the words This podcast is hosted by Roxy and Priska Engineered by Abraham Kim At the Shire Studios Music by Abraham Kim Artwork by Connie Yen Please visit us at twohornygoats.com Have thoughts or questions for us? Email us at hello at twohornygoats.com Okay, bye! That getting half of you just ain't enough I'm not gonna wait until you're done Standing you naked
Give you everything. I wanna give you everything. 